Well, good morning and welcome to Rock Hills. You guys are awesome. I'm so glad to be here with all of you today. Hello to those of you watching online as well. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Adam Harris and I have the privilege and honor being able to serve as pastor here at Rock Hills. This is just a small church with normal people that gather together because we believe that God can change our lives. Not just us, but that God wants to work in us and through us. And if you're around here for any time at all, I hope that you get the message. We're here to love God, but we're also here to love others. It's never meant to stop with us feeling good about ourselves and our relationship with God. It always leads to us serving others and loving others God using the opportunities that He's given us to make a difference, the relationships that He's given us to make a difference. And so, I'm glad that you're here today. It is not an accident. As we start this new series, The Good Work, you guys are going to get to hear, as you heard Steve announce there, you're going to get to hear from several different people, some of the organizations that we support. Sometimes we take up collections for different things. You guys are going to get to hear from some of those people over the next several weeks uh, beginning today. So we're going to have some special guests here with us. But I'm excited about what God is doing in and through the church, capital C, meaning all of the churches, as we allow God to work in and through us. But I'm specifically excited about what God is doing right here through Rock Hills Church, because as we... Uh, As Step sang in that song earlier, as we're making room for God to say, come and do whatever you want to do in us. God, send us wherever you want us to go. Give us whatever mission you want. God is faithful. And sometimes it can be intimidating. I was just having a conversation with some other pastors this week about taking steps of obedience where sometimes... It's scary and you think, I don't know if this is going to lead anywhere or what, what is ahead. But when we simply say, God, I'm going to trust you, it's amazing to see where God leads. My son, Nate, is a great example of that in our family. When we adopted him, we didn't know how life was going to go. We had absolutely zero assurance that uh, it would work out well. We didn't know what was going to happen. We simply said our yes to God because we felt like God was leading us to do that. Some of you know our story. We had uh, sponsored him uh, through missionary friends that we had that were serving in Thailand that connected us with the, uh, the children's home for the blind that he was in in China. And we got to a point where we just felt God putting on our hearts, God, you're calling us to do more than what we've been doing. Not because he needs us to do more, but because he continually calls us to faithfulness and stretches our obedience. And so uh, I'm excited about what God can do through this church when we simply say, God, we're available to do whatever you want us to do, to go wherever you want us to go, to give however you want us to give, to love however you want us to love. There's nothing that God can't do in and through us. That being said, God's not asking you to do everything. God's simply asking you to be obedient to what he has called you to. So all that to say, over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the good work and hearing from, uh, like I said, some of the uh, organizations and people that are near and dear to Rock Hills that we believe are making a difference in our city. 
and that are making a difference around the world. And so make sure you don't miss a week for the next uh, few weeks. But today we've got a very special guest for you guys, Jocelyn Wilson from, you've heard us talk about the South Texas Alliance for Orphans. Uh, She's from the South Texas Alliance for Orphans, and um, she's going to come up here uh, after a quick video and uh, just share with us a little bit about what God is doing in and through them. So when she comes up here, you guys be sure to give her a big Rock Hills welcome. Thank you for being here today. Look around you. There's so much work to do. This world is in no condition for us to simply sit back and watch. There is a tangible, desperate need for Jesus. A glimpse of hope in the midst of hopelessness. Jesus experienced this. He saw it firsthand. The need broke his heart and filled him with compassion. He turned to his disciples and said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This alone should stir our hearts. It's a calling. A calling to make a difference. To share the truth of the gospel. To be a light in the darkness to be the church. It's time for us to look beyond ourselves, to turn our focus to the field, to answer the call and passionately share the love of Jesus. This is our mandate. This is our mission. Are you ready to do the work? morning you guys thank you so much for having me I can't tell you how at home I feel here already just in meeting you guys as I walked in and um, getting to know you a little bit I too am an ordinary person (laughs) my name is Jocelyn Wilson and this is my family I had a picture to show you guys Um, my my husband's Ricky and then these are our five kiddos again a mom wife these are my kids Rick um, Noah Naomi Faith Hope and Paxton And over the last about decade, God has had our family on a wild ride of fostering and adopting. And once we got to five, my husband said, okay, I think we're about full. (laughs) We have a crazy, wild, loud home, and we wouldn't change it for anything. I love these kids to death. Um, But yeah, he said, okay, I think it's time for you to go ahead and go out and um, help find some more families because we're we're, we're full. (laughs) So um, that's why now I have the privilege of being a part of the South Texas Alliance for Orphans. I'm the director of church engagement. And so our um, hope and mission is to serve and equip the church in caring for families that are impacted by the foster care system. And that is a very wide, big range of things that are available for folks to do. So that's what I'm going to be talking about a little bit today. But I want everybody to take a deep breath because I know when you hear foster care, everybody gets a little tense. (laughs) Don't worry. I don't have any kids in the back to send home with you today. Everybody can take a breath, take a breath. Um, but yeah, when I heard Pastor Adam um, was talking about missions, I was super excited and um, thrilled to be a part of this. And um, actually, my family just got back from Albania, 
We've been there for three weeks because my brother is a missionary there, and he and his wife and kids are serving the Roma population. And so my kids and my husband and I got to just live life with them and um, see what God is doing there, and it was just really, really encouraging. Um, it also helped me to not be so angry that he has them so far away because I got to see just what God is doing there. Um, and while I'm super proud of my brother and don't want to take anything away from his overseas mission journey, I do feel like most of us are called to live on mission here. And so that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Um, it's beautiful that the Lord has him there and, and awesome what's happening overseas. But right here, God has missions happening in our city. And so that's an exciting piece that we can play right here in our backyards. I wanted to look today at Matthew 22. Um, this is where Jesus has been giving parables and stories, and some folks ask him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is it, Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, when I walked in and saw everybody's church um, shirts saying, love God, love others, love God, love neighbors, I was like, yes, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are on it. So I'm hoping this can just be an encouragement to you guys that we're all on the right track in loving God and loving our neighbors. In Luke 10, God, uh, Jesus is talking about the Good Samaritan. And I love this scripture because it talks about how, you know, at the end, Jesus asks them, which of the three was a neighbor? to the man that was fallen to the robbers. And he said, the one who showed mercy, go and do likewise. So again, very simple instructions from the Lord. Love people, love our neighbors, show them mercy. In these readings and in others that I've been looking at in the last few weeks, um, it made me ponder two questions. And that's what I want us to think about today. Who are our neighbors and what does it look like today in San Antonio to be a neighbor, to actually love a neighbor as ourselves? One of my favorite new phrases and kind of buzzwords that's around right now is radical hospitality. And I've been thinking, yes, that's all we need, right? Radical hospitality. But the more I thought about it, it kind of annoyed me that we had to add the word radical to hospitality. Why? Why is it that today we have to put that with hospitality? Is it because in America, in the year 2022, we are so far away from what it just means to be neighborly, to be hospitable, that now it's a little bit radical to do those things? Is it radical to have an open door and invite people into our homes and into our lives, our schedules, our messiness? I think COVID also hurt our chances with this even more, and we all had to scatter and lock our doors and, you know, be careful and safe. But Satan also seems to have now taken that and turned it to where we are in this protective mode that we've stayed in. And for some reason, he's using fear to cause us to build these hedges of protection or defense around ourselves. And he wants us to be confused and distracted and not see this mission that, he, that God's called us to. Satan knows that an open, hospitable home is a threat to him. So it seems we've got a lot stacked against us. For many of us, it's not natural to pull open the blinds and unlock all the doors. We have to fight against our flesh and Satan. But that's why, thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit, right? It is not in our own strength that we should be attempting this radical hospitality. 
We first need to ask the Lord for wisdom, guidance, and strength, and he will show us how to fulfill this calling. I remember very clearly about 10 years ago when Ricky and I first opened our door to foster, how shocked we were by the number of people the Lord brought right through that door. (laughs) Our first placement was a newborn named Mikey, and I thought, okay, Lord, we're being obedient. We've opened our door. We have baby Mikey. But along with him came his caseworker. She was overworked, overrun, just carrying a million cases on her shoulders and offering her a moment to take a breath on our couch and a caring, listening ear each time she showed up, I saw scales, masks just shed from her and a new person coming out where she just opened up to us and just was able to rest when she came in our home. Then there was Mikey's ad litem attorney who sat on our couch and couldn't understand why we had hugged Michael's biological mother in the courtroom and were advocating for her behind the scenes. God allowed us to share our heart and purpose in fostering with him as he sat there like a deer in the headlights on my couch. Then there was the same with the case managers, the therapists, the supervisors, all who, by the way, could care less that my kitchen was a mess and there was toys everywhere. (laughs) We realized that it wasn't about looking like we had it all together. It was about letting each person come in and feel seen and heard and known. It was a running joke now with all of our friends that if you want to be a local missionary, it's easy. Just sign up to foster, and God will bring them right to your door. All of them. They just come right through. <laughs> now, I want to share a little bit about what's happening in our own backyards right now in San Antonio. We have over 3,500 children in the foster care system. And we also have 2,000 that are in kinship care, meaning that they're being raised by a relative or a friend. Out of that over 5,000 children, more than 1,000 of them are waiting to be adopted. That means their cases are done and they're needing a forever home. The other sad truth is we also know that time spent floundering around in foster care has a huge toll on a child. 40% of our homeless neighbors have spent time in foster care. Over 75% of sex sex trafficking victims have also spent time in foster care. And at least 30% of our incarcerated neighbors have spent time in foster care. Now, I know when we start talking stats and numbers, it's kind of our tendency to become numb or distance ourselves, but we have to remember that these stats represent children, broken families. I heard someone describe it like this. Far off, it looks like a problem, but close up, it looks like a person, a neighbor. Being a neighbor means positioning ourselves in a way that we are close enough to see them and know them. The crazy thing is that what these families are lacking is exactly what we, the church, have to offer. Healthy community and healthy relationships. When a parent has a child taken away and put into the foster care system, they're given a plan or some type of goals that they need to accomplish in order to get their child back. Most of the time this includes parenting classes, anger management, maybe drug rehabs, job stability, housing, all those things. But another part is proving that they have a safe person around them to support and encourage them when their child comes home. And oftentimes, you guys, this is the hardest part for the families to fulfill. Why is that? Where are we? Being a neighbor looks like offering support to the single mom who has multiple children that she's raising on her own. Does she know she has someone she can turn to when she's at the end of her rope or resources? Being a neighbor looks like mentoring the teen 
that's aged out of the foster care system. He's just turned 18 and the state says he's free. But does he have someone who will help him navigate finding housing, a job, his college applications? Where will he go on Thanksgiving or on Christmas? Being a neighbor looks like preparing meals and folding laundry and doing chores for foster families that are in the trenches. While they are trying to keep up with all the paperwork and appointments, do they know they have someone to lend them a hand and help them make it through? Being a neighbor looks like befriending grandparents that just said yes to raising three of their grandkids. They're on the front lines of keeping their kids out of the foster care system, but do they know someone who they can turn to when they need help raising teens in today's world? Being a neighbor looks like becoming a certified babysitter for a foster family that needs a breather from all the stress of raising children that have been through trauma. They're beginning to lose connection in their marriage. Do they know someone who will come every other week and give them a date night to reconnect? Being a neighbor looks like a CASA volunteer who's an advocate for child in court. A child in foster care feels helpless when everything is turned upside down and changing. Do they have that one person who will be their voice and speak up for them and for what's best for them? Being a neighbor looks like an empty nester, saying yes, taking in that teen that's been languishing in foster care. Once a child passes the age of six, the chances of them finding a forever home is slim. Do they have anyone willing to love them and help them work through their past so that they have a better future? Being a neighbor is caring about what God cares about. He's in the business of restoring families and redeeming generations. When we say yes as his body and we're willing to step into the brokenness around him, around us, and be his hands and feet, then we can make an impact. The kind of ripple effect that we can have just by being a neighbor is actually bigger than we can even imagine. God can use our obedience in loving our neighbors to actually change the trajectory of a person's life. Man, that makes me excited. Remember our sweet baby Mikey that I talked about earlier? It was our very first foster placement 10 years ago. Well, his case was a roller coaster. The first nine months of his life, Caseworkers and attorneys talked about us adopting him, and then his biological father was found, and he wanted him. So the Lord taught me how to love and let go in ways that I never thought were possible. When Mikey was 15 months old, we drove him to his dad's house to take him home. I'll never forget that drive. Noah and Naomi were sitting in the back seat holding his hands. I was in the front seat bawling. My husband was driving. And I look back over my shoulder at the kids, and Noah and Naomi are smiling. I'm like, guys, how's it going? And Noah pipes up and says, it's great. Mikey gets to go live with his dad for forever. And I thought, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Lord, this is it. This is what you've called us to. Do you guys know who goes to school with my kids and swims at our neighborhood pool every summer? Michael. Do you know who comes over for Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve every year? Mikey's family. This is not something that I could have ever imagined in a million years back then. But this is God. He restores families. He redeems generations. And we simply are called to humbly open our doors to him. As an alliance of churches, we can all be a part of this. It's not just about fostering. We can all help prevent children from entering the foster care system. We can all be a piece of helping them when they are in the system. And we can all do something for children that are aging out of the foster care system. 
it's time for the church to say, not on my watch. This is our community, these are our kids, and this is our call. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you some questions that you may or may not have all the answers to. I will try my best. But uh, in, I've been to a few uh, meetings that they've had for pastors and different ministry teams that the Alliance has put together uh, with some things that have really stood out to me. One being a fact that I don't have uh, the exact details. I don't know if I have it correct. But generally speaking, let me know if I'm right. If every church... If there was one family in every church in San Antonio where somebody stepped up and said, we'll start fostering, how much of a dent would that put? Oh, we in would our... have more than enough homes and families for children if every one family in every church. child yeah. would be able to have a family. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what you guys do, it's not just asking families to foster. Correct. Multiple ways that people can get involved. Can you list some of those off sure. the top of your head? All right. Yeah, so... Obviously, recruiting foster families and helping that happen is a big part of it, but also serving foster families through babysitting and doing those things like meals and stuff. Um, and then there's mentoring opportunities. There's You guys have done donating and drives like that. There's mm -hmm. a million different things, but mentoring and volunteering are definitely on the table, and then also becoming a licensed babysitter is a really big deal. There's one, I don't remember what the category's yeah. called, where... When there's a need that comes up, you contact... Yes, Care Portal. Care, Care Portal, Portal is also another thing that the Alliance has started in San Antonio, and it's where when CPS has a need um, for a family that is trying to keep their kids in their homes, they can send it to the Care Portal, and then the Care Portal sends it to churches that have said yes to meeting that need. And the biggest part of that is to develop the relationship. So when you take that, um, maybe it's a car seat or a stroller or a bed to the family, you open up the door for a relationship with them and become that supportive piece in their lives. Awesome. Yeah. Very good. Um, there, there's a term you guys used at the last meeting I was at for, I think I'm assuming they're mostly the older foster kids. Mm -hmm. There's no families for them. So they're staying in hotels. Yes, children without placement, CWAP. Mm -hmm. CWAP. Yeah. So do you know approximately how many of those kids we have in San Antonio? Oh, I don't right now, but it fluctuates a lot. Um, most of the children in CWAP, they're waiting for like a group home placement or a residential treatment center placement because there are no foster families that will take that type of placement. So right now. is it in the hundreds? Um, no, Depends. it's probably in the 20s to 30s right okay. now. Okay, yeah. All that said, yeah. though, there, there are... Kids here in our community yes. don't have foster homes, don't even have a group home that they can go to, so they're put in hotels because it's, it's the only option yeah. left. And that's where the caseworkers are getting really overworked too because they have to supervise them 24-7 in that hotel setting, and that's just not ideal for anyone. Right. So next steps, uh, people of Rock Hills are interested in knowing what, what do we need to know, how can we get involved, what, what is the next step that any of these people could take? Yeah, so I have a table in the back with some of the information about things that I mentioned this morning. And really, I love to just get to know you personally and figure out, you know, where you feel God calling you, and I can help you find your niche because there's a million different opportunities, really. Right. So that, that's opportunities for us as individuals, also mm -hmm. things that we will have going church-wide uh, throughout the year, like the uh, 
school supply collection yes, for yeah. Kinmark that we just did. So there will be those opportunities as well. But uh, I want to encourage you guys before you leave, uh, get to know Jocelyn, say hello to her, and pick up some information back there in the back. But why don't you guys give her a round of applause? Thank you so much. Thank you. You're good. Um, so I, I want to close with a, a time of prayer, and I want us to pray for um, the, the families that we have here in San Antonio that just need help. They need hope. They need encouragement. I want to pray for those um, kids who don't have a family, uh, may never have a family of their own unless somebody steps in. And um, again, this is where the church has an opportunity. And for some of you, this is, is right up your alley. For some of you, you can help in a variety of ways. But there may be some of you here that you feel like, man, is God telling me to do that? I know when when we adopted Nate, um, like I said, we'd been sponsoring him for a while and I had a million questions, um, a million excuses that were coming up in my head, right? Of, I don't know how to raise a blind child. Uh, I don't know if this kid is going to disrupt our happy family that we have. I don't know if this kid is going to love us. I don't know if this is going to go south. This could all go really bad. And as I was giving God all of these excuses, I just felt the Lord speaking to me. You didn't know that with your biological kids that I gave you either. You didn't know that you, we didn't know that our kids are going to grow up to be good kids or not, whether they're going to love us or not. We didn't know if they were going to be healthy or not, but we knew that they were a gift from God. And for us, for our family, we knew that God was calling us to take that step and for Nate to become a part of our family. And the mission field all around us is so broad and expansive. This is one part of it. But I will say, you cannot read through Scripture, through the New Testament, and get around God's heart for children and for orphans. It is in bold letters crying out that God loves and His heart is moved by children and by children who don't have families, by children who don't have parents. And so we can all be a part of that solution simply by saying, God, we're available to do what you are asking us to do. And that's all we're asking you to do is whatever God is asking you to do. However little, however small, whether that's with uh, children in San Antonio or it may be people around the world in Nepal that we'll get to hear about next week. It may be those uh, who are suffering from sickness. We'll get to hear about that as well. Maybe students in school and maybe those who are hungry. It's all around us. And so just let's pray and ask God what he would want us to do um, specifically in regards to this or otherwise. But I'm going to pray and just give us space to hear from God. And then I'm going to ask Nate, if you will come up and you can pray in just a moment um, for, for kids who don't have families. Okay, can you come up here to me right here? You can leave your cane. It's all right. I'm waiting for you. Straight ahead. Straight ahead. Yeah. They don't have family. I know. Step up. Big step, big step. 
Right there, buddy. All right. Uh, hold on. I'm going to pray first, and then I'll tell you when it's your turn, okay? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. Father, we thank you for the opportunities that you have given us, the families that you have given us right here in this room. Father, we thank you that we are part of your solution to the world, that we are part of the church. Because of your grace and because of the cross, Father, the love that you have freely given us, you call us to freely give others. Lord, we're not here to manipulate anybody into doing anything that they're not supposed to do. But Father, let us do everything that we are supposed to do. Let our yes be yes, Father, and let us be faithful to you. Holy Spirit, we just want to sit in your presence for a moment and allow you to speak to us, allow you to invite us into your presence. God, as you speak to us in this moment, but even throughout this week, I pray that your voice, your calling just wouldn't go away, but it would continually knock on the door of our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. We're listening. to take our place that in dying on the cross he made room for us to be adopted as his sons your sons and your daughters Lord it is by your grace and your mercy that you call us your very own Lord we surrender to you in Jesus name now would you guys join Nate in praying for the kids of our city Dear Lord, we just pray for people who don't need, who will have family. Just pray for people. Just pray they will have hope. They will have peace in their heart. And even it is frustrating they don't have family. Just pray and just bless people wherever the, wherever they have. Just pray we will surrounded by you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, make sure you take a moment and go back by the Alliance for Orphans table back there in the back. If we haven't had a chance to meet you yet, we would love to meet you. We've got our prayer team that will be available. If we can pray for you specifically, we would love to do so. And be sure to be back next week. We've got the Pokerell family that will be here with us all the way from Nepal. Uh, they're a family that we support as a church uh, in the mission that they do. And so we want to be sure that you guys are able to hear from them. God bless you. We will see you next Sunday. We have lunch next Sunday too. God bless you.